Welcome to another bite side. That was I'm just entirely experimenting with how I open the show with our new format. We even have new toys in our recording software, so I'm really excited today. Hi, I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about tech and games and digital culture and all those cool, fun, nice things. And joining me this week, we have Alice is back from last week, Alice Clark, and we have Hope Corrigan for the first time. Hooray! Yeah, Hi, Hope. <laughs> How are we? Um, How are we you are, specifically? We, rather we're than a royal we. Getting out of lockdown, so that's lovely. Freedom! Um, oh, yeah. That is, that is um, really great news. I'm excited to be here. Yay! Good to have you. And Alice, how are you this week? Again, I guess you get to leave your house shortly. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I've become really acquainted with the walk from the bedroom to the living room, even more so than I was before. Yeah. Are you are you going to walk outside your front door at 12.01 a.m. and just like prance through downtown Melbourne? I, oh, we lost you. Oh, you did lose me. Maybe I will yeah. prance outside. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'll be asleep, but tomorrow I'm certainly yeah. going to go into a shop and not buy things. Yeah, just because I literally, can. <laughs> yeah. Love the, to stimulate the browse. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Look, um, before we kick into the main topic for this week, because we've just picked out one key topic that we're going to explore a little bit this week, um, a loose end. I always like to, you know, um, fix my own stupid errors if I've made them. And uh, this week I realized, well, rather last week, I realized when we were talking about Fitness Plus things um, and I was talking about how I really liked how Bettina did um, cool stuff in her cool downs, I meant Jessica and I just wanted to kind of say I literally moments after I think we finished recording I was even like did I say the wrong name and I did and again it's not a major error but Jessica Bettina I'm sorry that I got your names mixed up uh, and I will continue to enjoy all of your exercise routines on Fitness Plus and remember your names from now on easy fixed done um this week We're going to talk a lot about smart home tech as a bit of a broad theme. Partly, I think that idea of having a bit of a chat about what each of us ourselves have kind of played with and used in different ways. Uh, I think we've kind of all had different approaches to what we've been testing out so far. And then sort of a broad look at where do we think the wins are? Where do we think the concerns are? And for those who are eager to get into it, who might not have so far some recommendations on interesting places to start. So I hope you're our fresh, shiny new guest. I thought I would start with you because I do know you've also had some good plays with very smart home techs. You've talked a little bit about lights and aircon controllers on Byteside already. So, um, you know, how have you been finding it fitting into your life and your home? Yeah, we actually just got started with um, Google Homes, Home Minis, I think, at the time. Yeah, right. And it's because Google just started giving them away for free with, like, anything for six months there. And I think there's, like, five in our home, and I don't think we paid for any of them. I think they all just, like, some of them were random promotions. Some of them were, like, yeah, yeah, and, well, I guess we should probably use these since we're clearly being (laughs) tied on constantly anyway. And yeah. like that, embrace is- embrace the theory of spying. Yep, and just yeah. if you know it, then it, then you know it. <laughs> and like, if they're gonna spy on me, I may as well give them accurate information about my bullshit, right? Yeah. But 
Um, so every room in our house basically has a smart home mini in it, kind of by accident. And our house isn't that big, so they all kind of try to listen to you at once, which is good fun. <laughs> but um, it started off just being little things. Like I would make timers for like cooking. And I got sick of always being like, you know, yo Googs set the timer for 40 minutes. That's what we say in this house when we don't want to trigger. So yo Googs is like our code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so I do like the way actually different people, you know, they move towards like you spell it out or you, yeah, have some variation on yeah. the, the name of the thing that you don't want to mention. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and by want- doing that even here, we've managed to not, trigger people's uh speakers right, who might I'm have been being a good Samaritan. <laughs> At the end though, we will say all of them and with the command. So you can look forward to that. <laughs> um so yeah Just I, jotting down ideas. I stopped I wanted to start making timers that I could just say like a smaller thing and not have to remember how much time for each item I was cooking and all those kind of things. So for regular things I have set things. So I can be like yo googs it's brownie time. And the way I've set them all up is I make Google respond to me with something stupid so that I know that it's got the message as well. (laughs) So um, I think for that one, Google says, shit, yeah, dog, and then sets the timer (laughs) that I like for brownies. And it just kind of kept getting stupider. Like I would, I've got one for like when I cook chicken thighs and I just say to Google, I'm like, thick thighs and Google's save lives and then sets the timer I want. (laughs) And it's just this dumb thing. And now my whole house works like that. So we ended up getting a a smart kettle, I think, was our second thing. And it's just a Kogan one. It's really cheap. It takes forever to boil. Like, I don't know how long. Like, what is that doing with electricity for it to take Maybe that long? it only uses, like, 200 watts of power or something. And the rest it's of the watts like- is just signals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so for that one, I can – I'll say, yo, Googs, it's tea time. And then Goog says, it's T.A. Taime, which is a very stupid Discworld joke that no one will get. And then my kettle boils. And it's great because I don't have to get up and boil the kettle. And by the time I'm ready, because it does take a long time, it's there. And little things like that were really how we got started. Um, I find that I try to make it fun for me is otherwise I won't use it because the chance of failure is still kind of high. Like, I've got radio playlists and things set up and especially Spotify playlists. It'll just decide that it doesn't know what that means anymore, even after it's worked for like a year. And I have no idea what that is. I'm like, okay. So it is, I I think, something that I don't really recommend you getting into if you want it to work all the time and you want to sort of have that solution in your home where you can just talk to things and have them work because it's not there yet. It constantly fails if it loses connection to the internet, all the Google homes in the house will tell me at once. It's good. Um, <laughs> very informative. So it's, I think smart homes in general are still very much in the, it's fun to play with space and it can be really useful for like accessibility and things like that, but it's not foolproof enough to be relied on. I I feel anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um, my old house was completely smart. All of the lights were smart. Uh, we had one of those smart doorbells. We had motion-activated cameras that we could check anytime. We tried to rig up the front door, which was a roller shutter, but it turned out you can't actually automate a commercial-grade six-meter-wide like six, six meter wide roller shutter. Right. I did not live in a good neighborhood. It was not a good house. 
Uh, and then when we moved to the new place, I actually didn't make pretty much any of it smart because of how unreliable it was because Belkin Wemo, it tries. And I think that's really good for Belkin, but it's just not there yet. I was going to say, I found the lighting because we've got smart lighting throughout our, most of our house now as well. And I've actually found that to be probably the most reliable thing for being able to just talk. But even that, we've ended up setting up some of our own commands because we need it to be more reliable than it just kind of hearing us and we know what it'll pick better up better. Like you kind of, I feel like with all the smart home stuff, you really have to make it work for you. Like things that not only you are happy to say naturally and, and, and stuff like that, but also like if you have an accent, which, you know, we all do because we're all Australian, Google will have trouble with some words. And sometimes you may have to work around those things and, and, and other features and it works better. But for me, lighting so far, I, I would say the success rate on that's about 90%. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Back in the Belkin Wemo house, uh, it, it was before there were voice commands as as much of a thing. And so I had to go through the app and the yeah. app failed all the time. And also to the point, my apartment's pretty small. I don't, I wouldn't fully take advantage of smart lighting. And if I did, I would have to reinstall all of my downlights, which I don't. That's see what we had so. to do because we had um, twelve volt connectors in the roof. So we actually mm. had to pay an electrician to replace everything for it to be functional with smart lighting at all because none of them support twelve volt. That is dedication. Oh. Uh, the things that I do have in my house that are smart. Uh, so I've got the HomePod and the HomePod Mini from Apple, just because I like. I know probably it's the same between the Google Home and the HomePod in terms of privacy, but for some reason I just feel more comfortable giving all of my data to a company that doesn't focus on advertising. I just yeah, they're going to be advertising to me anyway. I want the Tumblr experience of it all to be hilariously mistargeted. It brings me joy. <laughs> Uh, I've also got my uh, our electric blankets are hooked up uh, to oh wow yeah some TP Link uh, oh little, I've got some of those plugs yeah they're fantastic and it means that like if I go oh go into bed in fifteen minutes I'll turn on the electric blankets and you never have to get into a cold bed again and so that's that's a big win because mm. right <laughs> and it is funny it's kind of it's some so many of the things I think we sometimes think of the big things that you might change with smart home stuff, you know, like the yeah locks and lights and all that kind of stuff. Um, and clearly, you know, yeah, to get the good lighting experience, you know, I hope you've kind of you know made the bigger commitments to it, but that sometimes it is that idea of going, you mean when I'm like snug under a blanket watching TV and I don't want to have to go and run to the room to flick the switch because I'm not going to bed yet and the show isn't quite over, but I want the bed to be warm by the time the show's over, that I could just send a signal to say, please switch the bed on. That's like such a lovely win. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the perfect thing. The best thing about smart lighting when it works, which, like I said, pretty good, is you can lay in bed and tell your house to turn off all the lights. It doesn't matter yeah. if you've left one on. <gasps> it's good <laughs> i'm yeah. literally having uh, that kind of flashback of the moments when i do lie there sometimes and i've just lay down and then i'm like i can just see some light down the and i'm like yeah like the glow oh. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh at the reason why i wanted to uh automate my roller door at my old place was because i get a lot of anxiety when I leave the house that I've forgotten to lock the door or back yes. then close the roller door. And I've always locked the door. 
I have never forgotten to lock the door, but one day I will probably. Yeah. I don't know. And so I ended up setting up cameras so I could go and look and make sure I could see that the door was closed so then I wouldn't feel as anxious. And I think that's one of the main places that smart homes can be useful for, whether you have anxiety or OCD or just really want to make sure you turned off the kettle or the hot yeah. plate or something. You can just mm. check it. And that's yeah. amazing. That said, I would not recommend getting a smart lock. No, because, uh, yeah. I haven't seen any that are really good yet. Like, I, I had one that was a Bluetooth lock, and it seemed like such a great idea. And then the batteries ran out, and I never replaced them. And that was bad. <laughs> oh, so it was a dumb lock. But now, like the <laughs> Samsung uh, smart locks, there is no physical key backup. If you go like away you for a couple backup. of months, yeah, you do need the backup. If you go away for a couple of months and you forget the code and your phone's out of battery, the only way to open your door is to hold a nine volt battery to a particular point on it. But if everyone can do yeah, that. Does that mean someone else could hold the nine volt battery to it? I think you need to remember another element. I haven't looked at oh, this right. for a little while. You need to remember, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. if you get back, from an overseas trip when they're legal again at 2 a.m. You're, you're always a carrying a 9-volt battery, am I right? Yeah. Like how Especially many stores on are an open air, to sell you If that? you've been on an – I mean, not that anybody's been on an aircraft lately, but, you know, that I always keep one in my pocket on a flight just so I have something to declare on the flight that oh, here's my battery. Is this cool? Is everybody cool? I love having an excuse <laughs> to talk to a TSA agent. One um, <laughs> of my friends – has a smart lock. They're they're not they're like an acquaintance of an acquaintance, but I was talking to them and they keep a battery in their meter um you know oh, the meter box, box. on yeah, the yeah. house. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, yeah. and and so that I remember them specifically mentioning that and not really fully understanding why at the time. Uh, so that's a nice But all you need too. is one hot day in for that battery to leak and you are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> also, most of these smart locks are only rated for up to 30 degrees Celsius, which rules yeah. out most of Australia. Yeah, it's a really good point. And look, uh, yeah, you, um, I was just going to throw in my sort of two cents of what I have used so far. It's like I haven't really – well, it's, it's – okay, it's weird because at first I was thinking I haven't really done much, but it's like I have been – a long time Sonos fan, and so we have that in basically every room of the house. Um, I nice. quite like yeah. that they're not kind of listening focused in that sense. You know that I do have to use the app to to tell it things. The couple of newer ones that have had microphones, we've just sort of said, "No, nah, don't want to use it. Um, just leave that off." Um, and I also like that it's amongst sort of the companies that have responded to the kind of privacy issues people have around microphones by pointing out things like the like that the light that says the microphone is switched on um, is directly connected to the microphone circuit and it's sort of a thing that That's emphasizes cool. the idea that if the microphone has been switched on in any way, that light will turn on. So, like, if someone somehow, you know, hacked into your Wi-Fi and switched on your Sonos and was managing to listen to your Sonos remotely, that light for the microphone would switch on. Um, little things like that is kind of, I think, yeah, but an interesting area that they just try to make sure that, you know, you, you can have some sense that 
you will know if somebody turned on the microphone. Um, but we've had that. And then when we um, bought this house and it and for a while we had like, you know, really just totally super basic um, smoke detectors and they had false alarms constantly. Like it was, it was horrible. Um, I sort of decided, all right, we'll get a Nest kind of smoke, um, like smoke and CO2 detectors. So we got two of those uh, that run down our hallway and it's kind of got that nice effect where um, if it detects motion, then it just glows softly. So it's like a nightlight for walking up and down the hallway, which is, I think, super helpful. Um, and as we've, nice. sort of, yeah. as we've discovered, it just it has a very pleasant request to you if it's about to scream the house down because it's detected smoke. So, you know, a, a nice voice loudly but firmly announces that it is about to get extremely loud because it has detected smoke, giving you that moment to run down the hall and go, no, 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 Prepare no. Prepare yourself. <laughs> um, or just, you know, hit the cancel button. See, that's a really good feature. And while I love the Nest smoke alarm, the worst thing about it is if you change your Wi-Fi password, you have to get up, take it down off the ceiling, rescan the QR code, which does not work most of the time because they printed it way too small, and then put it back up on the world's worst ceiling mount. I mm. hate the ceiling mount more than most other things in the world. It is broken. It is a bad system. I hate that yeah. system so much. And so mine has not been connected to the internet for the last year. <laughs> yeah, look, I totally agree. And it, look, and it's funny that we had, like, I don't think I've ever, well, I do. Now and then I, I like seeing the email subject line that just says, here's the latest report from your nest. But I'm like, no, I I know I work from home. Um, I know I haven't heard it lately. I think everything's fine. Um, but at least getting that email now. Thank you for now, telling me about another month when my house didn't catch fire. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. wouldn't have noticed if it had. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're the main things in our house. And then I think I do, you know, I but I mostly have switched off all the Siri type things. But I have started. And this is where sort of I think feeds back into something you were saying, Hope, where we do use a bit of the, um, I've started to use shortcuts, you know, so that's where I can just ask for something to happen based on just some, you know, phrase I've created and then it will run off and, you know, do the, the main thing, honestly, is ordering coffee from our local uh, coffee shop that you can order ahead via <laughs> SMS. Um, and so it's really nice to have that as a as a quick command that I can just say out loud and then know that, there's going to be a coffee waiting for me when I get down the street. So really kind of nice, helpful stuff. And it is, I think it's those little things again for me that have made the big difference. But I think let's kind of mm. skip ahead a bit um, on the whole question then of what do each of us feel like is the big positive and then we'll kind of jump into the the bigger concerns about um, what's going on. Alice, I'll ask you, what do you feel like are the, you know, the wins for humanity from all things smart home? I think it's got to be the accessibility, whether it's that anxiety, peace of mind, or even just say, with the TP-Link thing, people who have, say, problems with their hands. If they can't press a little button on something, they can then just put a plug on that and then have it be voice activated or press a thing on their phone. And so even though it might not work 100% of the time, it might be more accessible than what they were doing before. It's those... 
little things that make it easier. For, like, yeah, it's great to be able to go to bed and say, oh, I forgot to turn off the lights. Can you turn them off? But giving somebody a little bit more freedom to not have to rely on other people, I think is the most magical thing about this. Um, well, kind of on the same point, like one of my friends has uh, like uh, ADHD that really helps. Um, she can't clean because she forgets what's happening next and gets distracted too easily and stuff like that. And when I was talking to her about smart homes, she was like, wait, so I could set this up so that Google would tell me the steps that I need to go. Like if I wrote it myself kind of thing would tell me the steps of how to clean my kitchen. And I could maybe have a light that changes color. So I know which step I'm in and all those kind of things. And I was like, yeah, you could do that. Like you can find ways to make your life easier if you can kind of work it out. And it is a bit of a barrier to entry in some ways, because you do have to play with the tech to sort of understand it and figure out how it works. But the other, like obviously accessibility, biggest win in my opinion. But the other thing I do like is just sort of the security side of it, in a sense. Like, I like that if I'm not home, I can turn my lights on remotely if, and, and stuff like that. If I'm, you know, I don't have them at the moment, but we're hoping to get some more cameras set up at the back so I could check on the dogs and make sure they're okay. There's something I really would like, but they're quite expensive, is you can get curtain controls. And I would love to just have my curtains open at the time of day and close at the time of night. Like all those little things that mm. would be nice while I'm here, but also make the home look more lived in if you're not, are really great. Yeah. Yeah. Smart curtains are my dream. I need those. I, I still haven't found so ones much. that work well, though. Yeah. I haven't found ones that aren't very expensive that seem like they might be okay. And even you know, the last time I tried a blind automator, I got banned from testing things at my mother's house because <laughs> I broke her blinds. I fixed them. It took right. me a couple of weeks, but I worked it out. But yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I always think if I'm heading to that extent, then I want to just like ring one of the, you know, like Len Wallace audio, the people who kind of come and set up a home theater for you and do all those kind of cool installations of making it like, yes, here's the thing where you say movie mode or movie time or hopes version. I don't know what you're kind of, you know, let's watch some shit. Um, and then like everything, the, the lights dim and the curtains close and everything happens by itself ready for action. The, or is it the, uh, really the movie think- screen rolls down. <laughs> I don't think the saying? tech Sorry. is there because yeah. Um, well, again, I think at the five hundred thousand dollar installation in end, it, it probably works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it really does work. I've seen some pretty spectacular ones, but you have to be willing to drop the price of a good car. I guess the other thing, though, is like <laughs> the amount of stuff that I've had to fix and constantly refix and fix again. Yeah. I need to know how it all works. Mm. I even if I did have the exorbitant money to spend on someone setting it up properly i don't know if i trust the technology to stay working like it takes one update and it all falls apart so i do remember yeah yeah, in like i've interviewed those guys um a long time back now but yeah in it was sort of relatively early days for that sort of stuff but their big thing was saying that yeah what they get asked to do is for some very rich people who don't have all that much time and they say, I want to be able to press one button and start watching a thing and it has to work perfectly, but I have all the money available to make it work. And if it doesn't work, you will come and fix it. <laughs> it's like that's that's the mm-hmm. end of the spectrum that that stuff apparently can <laughs> successfully work at. Terrifying. <laughs> all right. We'll get Castles, there eventually, problems. but we're not there now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, concerns, because so, there are plenty of concerns. Yeah, Alice, you're keen. Go. Oh, my God. There are so many concerns. Like, on the <laughs> smaller scale with cameras and stuff, never, ever point a camera at anything you don't want a stranger to see. Like, there have been so many horror stories of people hacking into baby monitors yeah. and using that for kidnappings. Like, it's just horrific. In the middle of the scale, you've got all the racial profiling and all the ways that data is being mistreated. So there's been a lot of stories coming out of Ring's partnership with the Neighbor app and police departments that's led to a lot of racial profiling, which has been very bad and seen quite a few innocent people have their lives messed up at least for a week or so, sometimes longer. And on the worst end of the scale... Think of all the fun little things you can do. So sometimes back at the old place, I if I was away, I would turn on my electric blanket so Karma could my, my wife could get the feeling like I was there in the middle of the night. Or nice. I would turn on the lights and some music just for fun because it was Halloween. But <laughs> when you can operate all of these things remotely and look at all these cameras remotely. Imagine what you could do if you're an abusive partner. Like yeah. these devices have been used to control and <laughs> make people's lives hell at the hands of their abusive spouse who suddenly has so much more control than they ever could have before. They know when you open the door. They know when you open the window. They know when you open the fridge and what you've taken from it. Like abusive yeah. partners and parents. There's a big thing on the eSafety Commissioner's website. Uh on how to deal with that. And I know 1-800-RESPECT has done some work in that space. But, yeah, it needs some government funding and a lot more support. Yeah. And, look, I think at a time when, it, you know, it's good to see that there's movement on, on like, legality around things like, uh, you know, making coercive control an actual crime, you know, hmm. instead of it just being sort of that, oh, well, it's, you know, it's in this grey area. Um, and in that context... Uh, this sort of stuff is exactly why that those kinds of laws are so important because it can be so over the top now. I think I think it was just after the time I was at CNET that someone there wrote a great article about these issues. I might sort of um, find a link or if you have one as well, we can put it in the show notes. But, um, yeah, it's like it's a really important topic around what it means to have all of this sort of stuff being – you're right, like the the remote monitoring of the home – um, absolutely becomes such a big question then because, you know, I think there's a lot of the, the same discussions around, you know, sort of smartphone tracking um, and, you know, family sharing and things like that, how those things can be abused um, that, yeah, the smart home context as well is, yeah, mm -hmm. is a huge one. For I've had a few friends and friends of friends who've ha had to leave abusive situations and the first thing I've done is say, you need a new phone, you need new accounts and, yeah. like, given them the phone or whatever but there needs to be a much bigger range of spot for that because there is just so many new ways to make somebody's life a living hell and make it so it's impossible for them to leave the laws are a good start but it needs to be backed up with policing yeah. education funding and we just haven't done that and look i think to circle to one of the things that sort of hope mentioned as well i think there's um um that whole sort of issue of, um, or it might have been you, Alice, sorry, um, the whole question of stuff being kind of really 
you know, potentially unreliable or, or the things being able to be monitored, like, you know, security implications of something being able to be monitored without you even ever looking at it or like knowing about it. Um, there's so much to be said there for just doing that kind of extra research on the brands that you're choosing and finding out sort of mm. what their, you know, security um procedures are or even if they have a publicly known thing so often it can be the difference between like why is this thing so cheap and it's like because they're just throwing all of the photos that this camera takes into a big blob on amazon web services and it's not even encrypted and suddenly someone has access to all of it um so there's so many of those kinds of things that you know it's like the slightly more expensive one it might be because they've put rudimentary security in place instead of doing it the but really cheap But even with some of the expensive way. stuff, like some of the cameras that have yeah, been hacked, some of the main ones have been $5,000 yeah. worth. Like yeah. there's, if you go in into smart home, assume that it is able to be compromised and yes. assume that the worst will happen and work out if that's worth it to you. Like someone turns on my electric blanket while I'm away, I have settings so it can't be on for too long so it's unlikely to start a fire if someone turns my lights on that's inconvenient for me but it's not as bad as somebody being able to use my security camera to look into my bedroom or know what i'm leaving and coming back or unlock my front door yeah yeah like they could also i just realized i have so much smart stuff my dishwasher my washing machine the plugs for my fridge that's horrifying but yeah that's all that's great Yay, smart home. I mean, as some of this gets referenced as well, right, you know, there's the classic online phrase, the internet of shit, because sometimes, you know, the internet of things as a concept, um, particularly when it comes to, you know, dishwashers, fridges, things like that, um, there's that aspect to that history of if they're really hard to be patched ever, then if one of these things has some huge security hole, um, and the only sort of system available is, well, you need to download the thing onto a USB stick and then like move it and or uninstall it and then get into this weird place where there's this one USB slot <laughs> and do this thing or or a service computer has to be attached to it to upgrade the firmware. You're like, yeah, no one's going to do that. And now there's yeah, this no. huge security hole in someone's house that has access to their Wi-Fi and and it's now a known vector of attack to just even get onto somebody's network and inject some other malware onto their router or something. Like, so there's so many of these things where it's like you do need to make some very careful choices. <laughs> that said, my dishwasher does text me when it's out of rinse aid, so I think it's all worth it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what about you, um, What are your negatives? Yeah. I think that um, it's it's very easy to focus and see the potential evils of how people can use technology and the problem there is that it's the people really um that you know if if people weren't doing malicious horrible things then there wouldn't really be any problems with smart homes it would just be something fun that we get to play with and i'm very fortunate that the life i currently lead doesn't have people actively trying to hurt me all the time so for me i really like the fun side like i enjoy just playing with it and making myself feel like i'm in a futuristic world and i don't have much risk of that ever really going too south but i think that 
I think that there's always, it's just, it's just this dangerous thing to sort of just say, you know, these technologies are allowing all these evil things, because while it may be true, it's certainly just people that are allowing all those evil things. It's definitely people, but it's giving tools. I'm not saying we shouldn't have smart home. I'm saying we should be aware of what smart homes can do. So if you are in that situation, or if you have a friend who might be in that situation, you can recognize the signs. Look, I'm all for greater education about basically everything. Um, because I do believe it is the way that we grow as a species and learn and overcome things. Uh, and I do think that people should know what smart homes can do and, and that they can be used for bad. But it, it kind of feels like the same argument of like, well, if you have a knife in your house, you know, sometimes someone might stab you with it. It's just, I'm not saying it's that simple. I'm not trying to be that reductive at all because there are a lot of crazy things that people can do with smart homes and there certainly should be more education letting people know how much control people can have, how, you know, what a dishwasher could potentially lead to if it isn't secure because most people will just say, hey, the dishwasher texts me, which I agree with. That sounds amazing and I want that. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I Yeah, I just, I hate, I'm really careful never to mar technology with an evil uh, sort of sticker because I don't believe that it is. I think it's just that yeah. sometimes but, it's used I for mean, evil things. Yeah. Look, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, I mean, that's literally what we're doing here is, is just making sure we point out all the aspects of what someone needs to have a clear kind of perspective on before they start shoving this in their house or if they've already started shoving it in their house to just kind of have that clarity on what is or isn't a problem with it Mm. um because oh yeah i I think it's also important that we talk about this particularly in media because there is a responsibility on the tech companies that make these products to know what they are being used for and provide ways for people to escape them oh absolutely there should there's like for example amazon should never have partnered with police for ring it's just yeah. led to bad and everyone could see that it would lead to bad things. Especially when, you know, the, well, right. It's that classic ownership argument as well, where it's like, well, you know, you're using the service that is ring and then ring is separately making an agreement with local law enforcement. And it's like, well, no, I thought I bought this camera and therefore I have complete mm. control over who could access the camera and that it's an upstanding brand like, you know, ring and that, this wouldn't just suddenly be a network of cameras that anyone can access. Well, um, just yeah. have putting a button in particular apps where you could make a call for help, for example, if you are the spouse of somebody who is monitoring whether or not you open the door, if you also have the app on your phone, which you might, you, there's a way to say, I, I need help and it would connect you with somebody who would then say, okay, we'll make it so it doesn't alert people during this half hour. And again, that would be open to abuse too, but that's just something off the top of my head. There are ways to make the technology safer if you consider all the ways it could be used at creation. Like you have yeah. to think about all of it all the way through and assume that people suck because some of them do. <laughs> it's a good hedge. We love the tech. And we do hate the humans and we want to make sure that, that there's a lovely dovetail of niceness between the two to get it right. Yeah. Like if you create something that can be misused, 
and there is a way that you could stop it from being misused is your responsibility to make it so that it can be stopped if that is possible without compromising other things, which is all very difficult and why I'm glad I'm not in charge of things. Um, so let's look at some recommendations on where do you think people should start if they're starting to dabble, um, mess around with a few things. Um, let's kind of, I guess, go beyond just the obvious things of saying your phone by itself probably has a few features that you could just mess around with. Um, and whether that is, you know, Android or iOS, whatever it might be. Um, but what kind of first bits do you think might be worth buying when someone's yeah, starting to mess around? The thing that really kind of got us excited, I mean, getting the Google Minis and sort of playing with those and having voice control was cool, but I think um, the Hue Go lamp was sort of our first smart thing that really started to get me thinking about it. And it's a portable lamp, so that's really cool. Like, you can unplug it and take it outside. It has a really nice luminosity, and it um, it's, like, got a frosted sort of cover looking on it, so the light that comes out is nicely diffused. It's just really pretty and simple design. And you can just take it, you know, you can, if you're going to sit outside at night with some friends, you can take it with you. If you want it to, you know, be by your TV or be by your nightstand, you know, you can move it to different rooms. And I Oh, think, so it is like a wireless kind of battery. Yeah, like you can have it plugged in. Um, yeah, it nice. has a longer battery life, but you can take it off. And I think it's got like four hours or something. It does a pretty good job. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but one of the things that's really cool about it is if you're not sure... If, you, if you're into smart lighting and stuff, you can take it into every room and sort of have a little play of where you sort of want to set something up and what it looks like and all those kind of things. And we even had it syncing to our TV to do the the match the light because um, yeah. our TV is plugged into a computer so we don't need anything extra to do that and just had it up against the wall on the TV and it sort of painted the wall with the same lights as the TV. And I think, yeah, they're, they're about $150 or $140. Um, and if you are looking to get one, make sure you get the current generation because the one prior is less luminous and I think doesn't have Bluetooth or something. So yeah, right. with all the Hue stuff, or if you are looking at some, it's very expensive, but always get the newest gen because they yeah. actually change significantly and don't mark the boxes very well, which is frustrating. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely the coolest thing that, got us sort of like just playing with it a bit more. And I yeah. think it's a good start if you're not sure how you feel about it because it's not, you know, you can do all the controlling on your phone and stuff. You don't have to have anything listening if that's a concern to you. That's a light that you can literally unplug and leave unplugged if you were really, really worried about it. And you can try it out wherever you want. Yeah. Look, I remember about 10 years ago, I do remember when Philips was first playing with like the Ambilight systems where they had, um, you know, lighting integrated into the backs of their televisions to sort of do that kind of spill of the color match lighting onto the wall. They were so nice and it was kind of that thing where it's both pretty and that it's kind of healthy for your, you know, your sort of eye comfort while you're watching sort of TV. It's also really um, atmospheric. Yeah. Like, it's like, and it did make it feel more cinematic. Like anything you mm. watched, it just has that throw of kind of the color of what's happening on the TV. And it brings um, you into it because you're yeah. it bathed in the same light that, the people in the movie are and things yeah. like that. It's so nice. I quite like that, yeah, that they've now sort of said, hey, instead of needing to buy a whole damn TV that is explicitly made for it, you can just get a smart light to to do that function. So that's nice. And you can get the smart light strips that go around the back of the TV and a couple companies make those. But I know that, for example, we don't have that, but we do have smart downlights and the little lamp that I was talking about, which sometimes I still move into the TV area just to give it a bit more oomph. 
And the yeah. downlights still do like sync to the TV and make the room sort of change colors and all those things while you're watching things. It's very cool. I was just trying to look around behind me because I do have, oh, yeah, LifeX. That's an Aussie mm. company. Just shout mm. out to to that crew, uh, L-I-F-X, um, and they do a lot of those sort of smart lights and strip lights and different things like that. But, you know. Can't they, speak to them because I haven't had a play, but I have heard good things. They yeah. are very good. I like them a lot. And I think they launched as one of those Kickstarter type things that actually let them launch a whole company that does cool things. So. Yeah, always a nice Brad. shout out to to those people. Um, and one thing while I'm thinking about the Hue stuff is um, a nice kind of thing you can play with with some of those coloured smart lights is features that integrate with like Zapier or um, IFTTT uh, is that they yeah. can kind of use, you know, some random internet data point to change the colour of your light automatically. And my favourite one of those has always been uh, you can you know, tell ISS. light. Yeah, exactly. You can tell the light to change colour when the yeah. International Space Station is about to fly over your house. I think that's always just such a cute one and it's so simple. It flies over more often than you think it Yeah. Does. Yes. And that's it. It's you, great you to turn be that able off to pretty think, quickly, to be we honest. should run outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like that you can even set, like you can set parameters on that, like, you know, I want it to be an occurrence above a certain degree level on the horizon so that I know I'm going to see it. Like mm. instead of it being, oh, well, yeah, that one was just brushing the horizon and, and there's houses in the way, you were never going to see it. <laughs> uh, what would be your recommendation, Alice? I, I have two, depending on what kind of thing you're after. So if you're wanting cool. something voice and you have an iPhone, I wholeheartedly recommend the HomePod. Uh my wife was really skeptical. She hated our Google Homes and she uses this all the time. And uh, I also, I use it every single day to listen to music and set timers and as a, like an intercom between rooms. Again, our apartment's very small. I could just raise my voice, but why would I? Uh, and the other thing, if you don't want to do that, if you just want to start with something small, something not too intrusive, the HS110 is that TP-Link smart plug I was talking about. Um, so you can turn it on and off. I have it attached to my dehumidifier and our electric blankets and our Christmas lights. Uh, also, it has energy monitoring, so you can see how much electricity it's using. Cool. So we also attach it to the heater and we've got, or the fan, depending on which it's been that day. And we have like a limit of how much electricity we want to use on that particular thing each day, and then we turn it off when it hits that. And it's just a nice way to monitor and make sure you're doing the things. So those are yeah. my tips. Those plugs are good. I have a couple as well. One of them is on a um like a plant propagation station to turn on and off the water that sort of sprays up to try to help them root. Because apparently most people can just put an ivy in a glass and it'll root. But for me, it'll die. So I have to spend money to make these things work. <laughs> oh, actually, one thing that I forgot was the, there's also a Casa, also from TP-Link, CP303 power strip that has three plugs that you can turn on and off individually. That's yeah, fun, I've, I've just recently gotten one of those from TP-Link to test out. So, um, I yeah, I haven't set it up yet, but super keen to just, yeah, mess around with that. Um hmm. It's it's definitely that weird one where I wasn't sure what to test it out with, and then now that people have mentioned electric blankets, I'm totally going to use my electric blanket on it because that electric that's blanket and your bedside lamp. Yeah, like, actually, that would be really good, good because then I can also right. yeah, like you know, if I'm trying to sneak into the room, um, if I've like been up late for something and my wife's asleep, then being able to kind of make sure that you know I I minimally. 
um, make my way in but not trip over myself because it's dark. It's like just switch on the light and then quickly run in and then and then turn off the light again. Yeah, nice. I love it. All right, look, um, we should start our little wrap-up phase. I think I hope those tips are helpful for people. I totally agree with those tips, by the way. I think I think a little bit of light dabbling, a little bit of power dabbling totally sounds like the right place to start. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully people have some fun. Gateway if drugs. other people have tips, they should totally send us an email and share their tips and we could read some of the extra tips out next week if anybody uh, sends us some. So do that. That was is always nice to hear from people. Um, wins and fails, uh, let's kind of share our little, uh, you know, what's been on our minds this week and um, just sharing sort of a few odds and ends. Hope, what's your win and or fail? It's kind of a weird one. It's a bit personal, really. Um... I've been pretty sick the past couple of weeks. Um, my body just is mean to me sometimes. And the way that it does that means that I can't move much. I can't really go for a walk. So lockdown to me is actually pretty much normal. But um, I've been playing Hades and it's just so wonderful. And I didn't play it for a long time because I knew that it was going to be my jam in a way that might be slightly dangerous to my time to do literally <laughs> anything else. And just... Being really unwell and just having a game that good and easy to sort of sink myself into has been beautiful. And I just wanted to say thank you to Supergiant. Yeah, awesome. And look, I can't, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes I think in media spaces, we often think, oh, like if I was late to something, it's not worth talking about. But I love sometimes, you know, sharing those sorts of thoughts with people when you think, you know, it doesn't matter if you didn't play something when it launched immediately. If it's cool, then it's cool. And it's great to also remind other people that, you know, just because you didn't play it when it, especially as a single player experience like this, you know, it's a totally different beast to think. Mm. Um, I haven't started playing uh, Black Ops Cold War yet. And it's like, well, you are a very long way behind a curve of online multiplayer experiences where everyone will has <laughs> learned an awful lot about the maps and how to play and blah, blah, blah. This is a totally different kind of beast. So, yeah, I, I know my son loved Hades. I still haven't played it yet, and you've reminded me that I should. Yeah, it's it's just so nice. Yeah. No, awesome. Good one. Alice, um, what's your vibe for this week? So I have two wins, but they're both under the diversity, inclusion, and accessibility umbrella. So I'm going to count them as one win, but they're two <laughs> completely different things. So cheating. Uh, the first is that today Apple released their new iOS 14.5 beta and with it, the brand new emojis, which have just been approved by the Unicode Consortium. Mm-hmm. And so now there's uh, mixed race options for all the couple uh, emojis. So like... And including in the same sex and non-binary gender options, which I think is so good. And there's also a new woman with beard emoji, which fantastic for the gender non-conforming crown, but also for fans of Conchita Worse and Jesus. There's a lot of crossover there. <laughs> uh, I also personally have just always wanted a beard because I just think that it's such an amazing hack mm. for people who just don't have a jaw like myself and maybe resemble a thumb or a worm <laughs> to just be able to artificially create a shape yeah and have definition uh, so now that i now that i'm, I'm 32 board. my body is trying to give me a beard and i am fighting that back with fairly lazily 
I get like <laughs> two hairs that are thick and white hmm. and long. Yeah. And that's my beard. And I think that's atrocious. Like, what a poor effort. Why even bother? Grow it out, yeah. comb over. That's that's what my dad did Just to his the head. one hair. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. dad's pretty bald. He made it work for a little while. I believe yeah. in him. Yeah. And and the right kind of spray or uh, cream to just you know, hold it in place. Oh, no, not even that. Just that one. Oh, okay. It was basically Homer Simpson. It was great. Sorry, Dad. Yep. <laughs> uh, the other big thing is the new uh, game accessibility testing service for Xbox, which is a first of its kind thing on a platform level. Mm, and that's cool. so exciting. So It's super neat. Yeah. The way it works is a developer sends in the Xbox or PC title and the team will assess whether it complies with the Xbox accessibility guidelines. Uh, And then they'll send back tips of, hey, this is where it could be bad for people with vision impairment or, hey, this won't work for people who are hard of hearing. Or you're forcing people to push down a button here. Is there a way way around that for people with word I've forgotten disabilities? Uh, <laughs> it's just it's going to be so good and open up way more games to way more people because the and only even, certainty in life is that we will all need accessibility options one day. Well, yes. even if you don't need them, sometimes they're just helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I was playing Sackboy with my partner and we made our characters certain colors and then it turned out that when they got hurt, they turned by default into other colors to let you know that they'd taken damage and they happened to match the other person's colors, which was <laughs> very frustrating for remembering who the hell you were. But I went into the accessibility options and they had colorblindness types that you could change through and they changed my colors to match me and my partner. So it... it like, that's wonderful for people who actually need it, but it was great for me who just wanted it too. Mm. Like, it's just yeah. cool. Options rule. I, yeah. I remember about, when was it? Um, When was it? I, I know it was 2019 because that's the last time I travelled overseas. <laughs> um, I went through the Victorian Albert Museum uh, when I was on my way to Poland and literally had six hours in London uh, and just went, well, I'm just going to go hang out in the V&A rather than stay in the airport. Um, and noticed mm. that they actually had already put the uh, the Microsoft accessibility controller or the adaptive controller. Is that what it's called, adaptive? Um, but, yeah, the, mm. you know, the really cool one, yeah, that can be sort of set up for all sorts of different uh, input devices and things like that. Um, yeah, they already had that on display there in their sort of, you know, technology section just because they were like, this is such wow. a great sort of, cool. you know, landmark um, device within that category. So that was really cool. And um it's great to sort of hear microsoft doing more on that is is there a fee for developers for that or is that entirely like a if you're already developing for the platform you know we will then run these tests for you as a service to i guess their community the press release does not specify that right i'm just kind of reading through it again to make sure that i'm not missing it Look, you know i kind of get the feeling they're probably taking that position that it's a service to you know that Xbox hmm. wins if they help their developers get accessibility right. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I think it's the next step there. of their Gaming for Everyone program, which is still yeah. one of the best initiatives in gaming. And Yeah, it's really wonderful. It's so good to see such a big company do it too. Mm. And really yeah, important because anyone who isn't doing that is missing out on so many customers. Like just yeah. from a purely capitalism standpoint, it's really <laughs> exactly. dumb to leave people out. Yeah, and exactly. It's like you're not taking anything away from other people. You are just giving things to more people. Mm. Yeah, but also 
there's no reason not to include people aside from Nazis, but like regular people, everyone should be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. humans are fine. Yeah. Nazis, no, no, but not yeah. so much. Yeah, stick with the core humans, yeah. and which leads into um, my little sort of point. It's more of a fail type thing, but also, you know, I guess it's, you know, well, anyway, look, I don't want to spend too long kind of thinking about the transgressions and the issues that Gina Carano sort of was involved with when it comes to, um, you know, people getting annoyed that she was playing a super cool character on The Mandalorian. Um, the thing that I kind of was, you know, mulling over was the fact that so much of the coverage has focused on this concept that that she's been fired from The Mandalorian when I think, again, heaven forbid you actually kind of, you know, read what has been said and what is actually happening. And the simple, I think, kind of like the simple version is that what Disney said is, well, this character just isn't coming back because it's not like, yeah, it's not like the kind of Ruby Rose scenario where it was like, yeah, our lead actor of this series just isn't very good. And so we're just, we're just going a new way. <laughs> I actually, I, it's funny. I dialed up sort of, uh, uh, Batwoman, uh, just during the past few days when and we'd been talking about it. And I noticed the name of the very first episode of season two is uh, what happened to, was it Kate Kane? No, not Kate Kane. Kate Kane. Kate? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kate Kane. Yeah, but Kate I like Kane. it literally it's like, what happened? <laughs> so it's it's just such a blatant, <laughs> yeah, we changed some stuff and we're just, but there's no swap over thing. It's just, oh, something happened. And now anyway, I'm on with the yep. show. Um well, you know, Oopsies, the this... plane has crashed. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> she went back to her home planet. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, actually, I, there was a great one of the Gina Carano uh, thing with the yeah Cara Dune. Um, literally, someone animated a version of the final scene from Mandalorian where she gets pulled out like an animated cell, and then the, like and Poochie, the, yeah. yeah, like Poochie, and the guard comes up. She went back to her home planet. Um, but look, in this case, I just wanted to point out that. Again, it's like all the kind of the the fury about it all when it's actually been a very sort of simple discussion for Disney to say that character was ending the cycle of their part in this story anyway and they get to do the very comfortable, um, you know, there's no plans for that character to come back while also then making just a, a good solid statement that they hate all the apparent things that were said. But when it gets turned into the should you fire someone or not who is like an actor for the other crappy things they do, I just felt like this isn't even one of those kinds of situations because it was a perfectly natural moment to say, yeah, that uh, character and the person who played them is no longer a part of this storyline and will not be coming back for any future storylines um, in a good, comfortable way. So that was kind of just my vibe on that one was, again, I guess the the nice, simple way to kind of say that character is done, but also that it doesn't even need to be beaten up in some of the ways that it's been beaten up as if somehow this person lost a job in a context where it's like an actor was playing a role and that role is no longer a thing within the universe for now. And whatever happens down the track Very happens. convenient for Disney. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I really, I'm you like know. in a week when we've heard so much about like other character, other actors who lost their jobs for being pregnant and not sleeping with the director and being black. <laughs> yeah. This this is one of those occasions where like yeah, they probably should have fired her, but like they didn't. And 
but they still don't have to have it back. And they're even like they have their cake, they're eating it too. This is a good situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, the lovely other person within that whole sort of discussion, Pedro Pascal, great to see that he is going to be um, playing Joel in uh, Last of Us. I think he'll be really cool. And he's just cool mm-hmm. all the time in all the things he's he's in. Um, so, yeah, I know my, my wife just wishes he would still just go around in all his shows wearing the coat that the Viper wore in Game of Thrones because she's like, just that was the coolest coat ever. <laughs> Can he just wear that in all the TV shows that he appears in forevermore? That is now his skin. Yep. <laughs> yes. Well, I also like that he is the anti-Gina Carano because he recently did a whole thing about how much he supported his trans sister. Yes. Like, yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, that is so awesome. No, it, it is it is nice when the dice kind of roll out this way, but I can't help but be bothered that it's only really happening this way because it's convenient for Disney. <laughs> yeah. The mouse Look- cares not for society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. It really yes. cares for sales. And yeah. Capitalism. We should wrap this up before we hit a full hour because that was never the original plan, but first few weeks of a new format, we'll just roll with it. And I hopefully everybody who listens rolls with it too. If you're enjoying the fact that we're just letting ourselves prattle on uh, for longer than we used to, let us know. And if you're not, let us know too. That's okay. All the feedback helps us to grow stronger um, and faster and or slower if you're enjoying the slow version of the show. Um I should ask both of you where people can kind of follow you and find you on the internet if they like to tell you things or follow the things you have to say on the internet. Um, I hope you're the new guest. So um, where can people find your stuff on the internet? Oh, well, if you want to find me, I'm at hope underscore Corrigan on Twitter, but you can find most of what I write at the moment at this little site. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Biteside. Uh, people say it's really cool and fresh and, and interesting, dot, but I don't know if I agree. Is that a dot .com? Uh, dot com? Look, I think it might be. Yes. It could be a dot .com. Actually, it's funny. The number of times PRs kind of have said, oh, it didn't go through, and it's like because they added a dot .au on the end, and it's like, no, we're just dot .com. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need to do. You need to get that redirect link. <laughs> um, Actually, yeah. Oh, man. I now I can't even remember if I own it or not. I'd better go and get it <laughs> just to be safe, <laughs> just to be safe. Oh, my God. Now, oh, the things you have to worry about sometimes and suddenly, oh, my God, <laughs> how have I let this go on for so long without making my sure I have My smart home bought the link before I could. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. It's listening. <laughs> uh, Alice, where can people find your stuff? You can find me on Twitter at AliceDKC. Uh, or you can read me on Biteside or in the Age and Sydney Morning Herald. Huzzah! Good time. Um, we are ask at biteside.com. If you did want to send us an email, any of those points of feedback to tell us um, how wonderful or how terrible or how slow or how fast or whatever you think we are, um, or if you have thoughts on smart home stuff, we'd love to hear from people on the things that you love using or the things that you have had major dramas with i know i once had our uh, ring uh, smoke alarms freak us out in the middle of the night by just saying hello literally in the middle of the night nothing else horror Creepy. movie stuff no. like what are you doing no um as That's opposed so to good. the people yeah as opposed to people who i think have had their like amazon echoes just like laugh at them uh spontaneously and again you're just like no oh my god that would be the thing <laughs> 
<laughs> Spontaneous laughter from your smart home equipment. Hey, Alexa, play Despacito. <laughs> the other I day, I said, watching a TV show, and in the TV show, the guy was like, okay, humans, and all my Google Homes were like, bloop. And I was like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not okay. Oh, uh, so my wife calls me Noodle as my nickname because I like noodles. And uh, for a long time, she'd be like, hey, Noodle. And then the hey, Google That's would come alive. <laughs> and so that, that was a problem. Yeah, and yeah, for people who have gotten to this point in the show, we've triggered two different devices in the last 30 seconds. Um, hey, Siri, hey, Siri, play Fireflies. <laughs> Wait, no, actually, no, she is. Damn it. <laughs> I said I would trigger now. all of them. <laughs> Mine did just jump to life then as well. Um, sorry, everybody. Uh, hey, Bixby. No one's using Bixby. <laughs> also, I love that we're punishing the people who stuck with us the longest. So I'm really sorry, you awesome loyal well, listeners. Wait, did you see that did you see that TikTok where that woman was like, if you live in a student dorm, there's a good chance everyone has Alexis. And then she went out into the corridor and just screamed, Hey, Alex play fireflies and then you just hear slowly every single dorm having the turn on and it was so good (laughs) evil but good (laughs) if you live in an apartment building i didn't tell you to test it but if you do film it yeah and again look this isn't evil to prank people pranking people is is entertainment for the internet I would not Just, recommend you take your moral guidelines from Seamus listeners. Um, or me. Go really. with what's in your own heart. Yeah, true. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Um, of course, <laughs> all follow Biteside. Unless your heart leads you to Biteside. evil. <laughs> um, yes, at Biteside on Twitter and at the Biteside on Instagram because someone else beat us there by like six months. But literally when I say six months, that's like 10 years ago um, when they got there first. So that's really annoying. Um, and, of course, Biteside.com, lots of articles, lots of cool stuff. Thank you for listening uh, to this extended edition Biteside podcast. Let's call it that for now. Um, and we'll keep refining and muddling our way through as we go. And again, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. And we will catch you again real soon. Mm-hmm.